Coming up on this episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast. But I think about you, that it was you as a person that made me laugh way more yeah. in the early oh, years in the sketches. But that's what I, I do make you laugh. And I, I certainly, yes. sometimes I make you laugh and I go, that wasn't actually meant to be funny. <laughs> Sorry, she's mistiming me completely. Her comic timing is totally out. And she go, <laughs> Sorry, I just said I'm going to the toilet. But I do say things which are funny that do make you laugh as well. It's oh, not yeah. always inadvertent. No. <laughs> it's not like I'm You know a what sap. you're doing. You know what you're doing. Yeah, who just you laugh at. You do laugh with me occasionally. <laughs> yes. I've been friends and worked closely with Alison Curtis for over two decades now. We worked on the same show for many years, the Ian Dempsey Breakfast Show, the show I still work with, performing Gift Grub every day. And to say there are a few very illuminating, titillating, entertaining anecdotes from that period would be an understatement. And yes, you'll get to hear a couple of them sparingly in this conversation, the ones that the lawyers said were okay to share anyway. Alison has also presented her weekend breakfast show on Today FM for 10 years now. And in that time has grown the audience at an incredible exponential rate. And it is now one of the most listened to shows on the station. But how much do you really know about the lady behind the mic? In this chat, we talk about her early life, growing up on a beautiful ranch in the Canadian countryside, losing her parents at a very young age, what brought her to Ireland and why she fell in love with the place in the first place. And lots, lots more. People in Ireland live for the here and now. Like, if you go, Mario, do you want to go for a pint? In North America, they'd be like, well, I've got, like, stretchy yoga on Tuesday till nine, and then I've got a book club on Wednesday, and then I've got this. And there's no, like, yeah, I'll go right now. I'm living my moment right now, and I'm going to have fun right now. He'd ask me to type up notes, and I'd be like, I haven't done that yet, Willie. I'm emailing my friends in Canada. And he's like, okay, now. So, or he'd go, can I have a tea? And I'd be like, oh, you have legs. Like, so I really was not for that role. We bought this house. I was still on the breakfast show and I, my alarm set off to go off on Today FM and then I went to press it off and the music wouldn't stop and I was like, that's really weird. Why isn't it stopping? Realized that a car that had just been ditched outside of my house from a joyrider was also playing whatever by Oasis or whatever Oasis track it was. <laughs> they are also listening to Today FM and they left it blaring. I was like, where have I moved? It sounds braggy and in Ireland we don't brag, but I think I'm a really good person and I think that comes from, it does come from who they were and what they instilled in us from a young age. Mm. Yes, I absolutely would rather have had them for a lot longer. I'd like to have them now, but they set us up pretty well mm. to go on and succeed in our own lives and our chosen paths for yeah. sure. That's all coming up in a couple of minutes time, but of course being one of Ireland's best known broadcasters, There's been a lot of buzz about Alison's appearance on this episode and the Mario Rosenstock hotline message machine has been hopping. Hi, you've reached the Mario Rosenstock podcast. Please leave a message. Uh, Hello, uh, Mario. Uh, This is uh, Leo Varadkar here. Uh, Looking forward to uh, listening to Alison Curtis uh, on the pod today. Uh, I know she's from Canada. And uh, I know that she's aware of uh, of my uh, well serious bromance uh, with Big Dog. I mean, I mean, sorry, Justin, <laughs> Justin Trudeau. Uh, I call him Big Dog, but anyway, um, we went running together a few times, and uh, we're, we're we're big buddies. Uh, just if you could ask her um, if she might have his uh, number, uh, he seems to have missed a few of my calls uh, recently. Yeah, thanks, Mario. Thanks, Alison. Thanks in advance. Thanks, Mario. Matt Cooper here. Great to see you have a champion of indie music on your podcast. Looking forward to hearing uh, that and looking forward to hearing her opinions on my favourite band, Rush. Oh, 
and Nicky Minja and Mary J. Belge. Thank you, please. <sighs> Mario, how are you? Ray Darcy here. Will you ask Alison uh, why Canadians are so healthy? I think it's the running. In fact, I know it's the running. It is, it is, it is, it is, it is, it is. It's the running. And the fish, they're surrounded by fish and lakes, fish, cold fish, hake, omega-3. That's the thing you see. Omega-3, good for you. Anyway, thanks. Mario, Ray Darcy here again. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Forgot to ask you there. Uh, would there be any gigs going on over at Today FM? I don't know if you've uh, realised this, but the S-H-I-T has hit the F-A-N over here. <sighs> well done. Give us a call. Thanks. Jenny and Mairead and myself, willing to get the band back together. Fix it Friday. How are you? Well done. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ray. Our thoughts are with you. Uh, while all that is going on over there, this too shall pass. Are you enjoying this podcast series of mine, my friends? Do you get a little giggle out of it every so often? Do you like to hear the chats I have with my special guests and the various random places we end up going during our conversations? Well, if so, please do me a very small favour and follow the series for free. How do you do that? Well, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, there are three little dots up on the right-hand side of the screen. Press those and click Follow Show. If you're listening on Spotify... Then there's a little button that says follow on the main page of this podcast on Spotify. Just give it a press. And as always, please tell one person about it. Just one. That's all I ask. Um, And tell them to give it a try. If you can do one or both of these favours for me, I would be so grateful. It's a huge help to us here on the team. So it's time to meet Alison Curtis and find out a bit more about the lady behind one of Ireland's most listened to weekend radio shows. As I mentioned earlier, Alison and I go back a long, long way. So we kicked off things right there. So there's a few things available to you in this conversation. Um, so one of them is uh, obviously full disclosure. So Alison is probably my best friend in this in this entire building, you know, because oh. uh, well, apart from my house husband, my, my my work husband Ian Dempsey, of course, but Alison I've known for now 24 years, I think, yeah. and. Um, you know, uh, when Leah, Leah Murphy left, uh, we the three of us maintained a kind of a French friendship together, me, Alison and Leah. And we meet as a kind of a threesome. Two girls, one boy. <laughs> and uh, that's where I get, for those listeners out there who congratulate me on my soft, empathetic, feminine side. You're hearing it. This is the reason for it. Oh, brilliant. It's Alison. Alison <laughs> gives me my soft side and how I'm so in tune with females, as everybody knows. Um, and so and thank you for all those nice comments from people saying I'm so in touch with the females <laughs> do you get a lot of those no okay but, but you I are do get, I do get I do get a lot of comments saying I'm an empathetic interviewer though. well do you know what you are mm. is someone who has made a big effort to change as you as you get older and become more of an ally to different groups of people and to learn like you have made an effort to do that do you think yes yeah and you do i mean you're joking about it but you do have conversations with leah and i where you're like what do we think of this yeah and you're coming at it from the point of view where you're going to allow us to influence your thoughts on it definitely and actually well that's really interesting you say that because that's pretty much that's some of the way i come at um, so we lie to you and give you all yeah, this but that's fine. and say. i buy it <laughs> So then, and then I steal it from my podcast. (laughs) Did you not know that? And then they're, where's he getting his information? Um, So the thing is that, um, yeah, I kind of treat the podcast in a similar way, or not podcast, but when I talk to people in interviews, that I kind of open myself up to just uh, being a two-year-old and let's say asking simple questions. and seeing, Yeah, sponging it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Kind of sponging it up. Um, So that's the the full disclosure part that Alison and I have known each other for a long, long (laughs) Long time time. and she'd be one of my best friends, if not my best friend in the building. So, you know, this is, I actually do have a running order of things I want to talk to you about because I suppose that would be 
prudent of me to do that but we, we could easily just as easily talk without any um, running order um, so but what, what about the let's start with uh, all the functions you had in those 24 years in today FM. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, I started as the PA to the then CEO, Willie O'Reilly, and I was the world's Willie O'Reilly's famous for being in the Oireachtas Committee hearings as former Group Commercial Director of RTE. Mm-hmm. And I was... Uh, and during my time with him, I was crowned the world's worst PA. Like, I was hideous at right. it. I was really bad at it. So I don't know. I was thinking about this on the way in. I was like, I don't really know where the conversation came that Willie was like, this chick is so bad at this job. Maybe I'll put her onto the In Dempsey Breakfast Show. I don't know how that <laughs> came around. just trying to offload you? He was. Yeah. But in a nice way, I think, because he was very much like, uh, he'd ask me to type up notes. And I'd be like, no, I haven't done that yet, Willie. I'm emailing my friends in Canada. And right. he's like, okay, now. So, or he'd go, can I have a tea? And I'd be like, oh, you have legs. Like, so I really was not for that role. Yeah. So, yeah, he walked me upstairs in Abbey Street. Yeah, because your typical Irish, let's say, PA in 1998 would have been, um, <laughs> hello? Hello, it's Una here. Yes. Yes, Mr. Fitzpatrick. Mr. O'Reilly's online too. <laughs> Mr. Mr. O'Reilly, would you like a coffee or a tea? I was not that. Two sugars. And she, Alison's there. <laughs> Get your own tea, motherfucker. <laughs> you have legs. I'm from the real world. North America. <laughs> I have a degree. You know, and so uh, this 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 new breed of empowered female was something that was quite new to us. But I was thinking about this as well on the way in. I, I It was really brazen in those days. And there were so many conversations where I'd be like, I, we're going to go to Japan. And Willie's like, do you not think we should talk about this beforehand? I was like, well, you go upstairs and tell Ian we're not going then. Like I was very much, but I was very much in that mind frame of going, I'm eventually going to go back to Canada. So mm. this is okay. Kind of nothing so the to stakes... lose. You came in here with a flamethrower. Yeah. And I basically was like, I need more money. And they're like, what? And I was like, give me a raise. <laughs> Nonstop. <laughs> That's worked out well. You, you're really good at doing that now. Mm, Going uh, in and asking for raises. Yeah, great. Yeah. But yeah, so I was really brave then because I didn't have anything to lose. But I do remember the moment he walked me upstairs to the Ian Dempsey breakfast show. You guys were in the office. Yes. In our little turret on Abbey Street. Yep. And he was like, this is Alison. You probably met whatever. She's going to start working with you. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I said to Ian, I was like, so what'd you do before this? <laughs> and he was so, I've told the story many times over the years. Ian was just so humble. He was like, invented children's TV in Ireland. No, he didn't say that. He went, oh, a bit of radio, <laughs> a bit of yeah. TV. And I was like, so anyway, I'm Alison. Yeah. And I think it kind of worked in my favor. That, so because anyone you found else, Ian very humble when you first met completely him. Completely. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. lovely. And he's yeah, always been yeah, so generous yeah, yeah. with his, you know, we know this. We've talked about this, like yeah. helping me with my own He things. is. He's and, great with working with people. Oh right. my God. Yeah, he yeah. builds in, people in up. In terms of building people up. Yeah. Yeah. And everything I learned in those first few years are obviously through him. But I love that I didn't know who he was and I think that that worked in our favour too because anyone that worked after that on the show did come in a little bit like oh my god I'm now on the Ian Dempsey Breakfast mm. Show So then you yeah. left the Ian Dempsey Breakfast Show and you went, went presenting to Nighttime. in Nighttime Yeah with Ed Smith The Last Splash the, No I had that all along okay. I got that early on oh, in the yeah. days off the back of a pirate radio station okay. um, and then Ed and I had what I call my summer camp years where we just messed around for two years mm. on air Nighttime then I had the early breakfast show for a short while and then oh, I yeah. went off and had a baby Baby. Yes. And uh, then I came back to another radio station, yeah. seconded to Phantom FM, TXFM. Yeah. And then eventually I got the weekends. Yeah. So I've been around. Yeah, you have, yeah. And about 24 years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, Ian's show was the longest, like I was on that for a long time. And then I've now been on my own for 10 years. Yeah. So those are the two long stints. There was a movement in between, so yeah, to speak. Yeah. And you were the Pretty producer. That, you sort of followed Paul McLoon, didn't you? Ex- yeah, exactly. Yeah. I did follow Paul. Exactly, yeah. directly, yeah. Yeah. And so I remember those days, like, uh, 
I remember those days in Today FM. It's a, it's a much different world that we were oh living, that we're living in now, you know? Do you know what I was just remembering? We were smoking indoors. I asked you to stop doing that. Yeah. I remember, and somebody said, you're asking Ian to stop smoking. I was like, mm. well, and I remember as well with Ian, I said, well, I, I don't want this job if you guys are going to keep doing that. And he was like, you'd leave this job because I'm smoking? I was like, yeah. Like, yeah. I've had a head cold for three months. Stop smoking. Yeah. Here's what Today <laughs> FM sounded like in 2004. You'd hear something like KT Tunstill or Toadstool or whatever her name is, right? <laughs> And she goes, you can see I'm a top of the world, I'm a top of the world, fade down. You can see I'm a top of the fade down song. You just hear people <laughs> putting out cigarettes. That would be me and Ian putting and then a little and, and then into a little water cup. Go, <laughs> and you go, that's Katie Toadstool. <laughs> I have Bertie in studio. Bertie. I mean. <laughs> and you'd be just putting out the cigarettes. But you know what else I remember was funny is like, if we wanted to play a song, we'd have to run down 17 billion flights of stairs to the music library, grab the CD yes. and run back up and right? go, here you go. Yeah. Here's like whoever it was at the time. Yeah. And do you remember we were one of the first, if not the first, to use texts on the radio? Yeah. I actually do remember that. Yeah. 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 I, remember, I remember Ian, we were away somewhere and Ian asked Pat Buff. If it was possible. If it was possible to put texts from punters <laughs> onto a screen and like use them on the radio. And everybody looked out and just went, Ian's had a few too many again. Uh, you no, know, he's just a visionary. Going, exactly. He was a visionary. And then like, I think he was one of the first in the world to do it. I remember, yeah, I remember that. But I also remember the amount of days that we'd be like, the internet is down and there was no hope of it coming back up while we were on air. Yeah. So we actually had to make radio shows purely based on what was in our brains. That's and right. not based on what was online. There yeah. was no TikTok. There yeah. was no Instagram. No, there, there was, was none n- of that. There was no YouTube. No, exactly. No Facebook. Like now we look like we grew up in a cave, but it was a long time ago. <laughs> I remember discussions. I remember discussions between executives and us going, so lads, you know, email. <laughs> right. What about if punters, right? Now, this is a whole other Punters could email, like, let's say we said todayfm.com or something. Now, the punter can email the radio station and they can say what they thought of it <laughs> on an email. Now, the next day, we can read them. We can come in to work the or next day. Or mini-discs. When we yeah, remember, we had to put the best of Ian Dempsey's show together on a mini-disc. Yeah. And if you didn't stop it at the exact same time, you'd have to go, oh, man, yeah. and do it all over again. And I was still around for dat tapes as well. We were yeah. using dat tapes. There's yeah. early episodes of the Ian Dempsey Breakfast Show, which is on small little dat tapes. Yeah, it's incredible. And we, right. I think we brought that box over here. I don't know where mm. it is now. Mm. But So I remember being in, again, this is around smoking. So mm. I remember just being at a desk and I remember hearing um, this guy coming down to 10 yards behind me. No, 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 never man. Head boy, get him on the radio now. Fuck's sake. <laughs> right? And it was Eamon Dunphy whirling around like a whirling dervish. But as he walked by me, he put a cigarette out on the desk. No ashtray. Oh. On the desk. And he squashed it down on the desk into the wood of the desk. Oh, God. <laughs> but that was when you were on the studio level. That yeah. was before we got into the turret. I yeah. wasn't there for that year. Yeah. You did start before me, yeah. but not much before. Yeah. But here's the thing I was thinking. What do you think of this? Yeah. I feel like in the first few years, because of what your role was on the show was mm. very different to mine. Like I was kind mm. of putting everything together outside mm. of Gift. We kind of orbited and there was, I feel we had a click moment on an outside broadcast where we both went, hey, let's be really good friends and make this friendship last a very long time. Do mm. you think that way? Because we kind of orbited a bit. Like you and Paul were doing mm. Gift and I was looking after other things. I was being like, this angry little indie chick that went to Whelan's every Thursday. Mm. But you had a different lifestyle and you were more in your life, you were more settled than I was at that stage. Mm. Like I was much behind you getting married and having yeah. children and stuff. Mm. No, so, with you, with you, 
with you, I remember I grew to like you because you. I found you totally immovable in your consistency. You didn't mm. go with the winds. No. You you decided at a certain point that you either liked me or cared about me or a mixture of both. Yeah. And it didn't change. Yeah, no. And I felt really, that was a really, really nice thing. Yeah, and I felt that it, it, it intensified when we went away on outside broadcast because we had those opportunities yeah, to have long but I conversations. Felt, I felt that like if I'm, let's say I misbehaved yeah. or something, it didn't mean that you ended your friendship with me. No. You, you may have been able to, and you were good at talking. Yeah. About things. Yeah. So you were able to talk to me about things that I may have, you know, gotten wrong or that wasn't a really good thing to do or you were rude or something. Yeah. Um, but didn't mean that it compromised your friendship with me. No. And that's what I really, I think I've, I've yeah. respected about you all along, which means that I can trust your friendship. Yeah. Which is what friendship is. Totally. And I subsequently maybe inadvertently learned that with other friendships I had. Well, I think I never took friendships for granted because of things that happened to me early in life. So when I invest in someone, I've invested and I want to maintain it. And I, like I'm seeing a friend when I go back to Canada that I've known since I was five. So that kind of stuff. Like I do like, I do value, never take it for granted. You know, I think I've got a bit of a hole in my heart and that is Mm. a needy kind of thing. So I have a neediness yeah. Um, and I want to be loved and I want to I want to jump up and down. I want people to tell me, am I funny? Am I funny? But that drives a lot of entertainers, right? Like it, it does. does. It does. But it's also needy. Yeah. And what I found with you was that if you didn't think I was funny, it still didn't stop you being my friend. Yeah. And so that meant something enormous to me. Yeah. The idea that I didn't equate my performance with winning a friendship. Interesting. That, that actually you were just my friend for who I was. Yeah. And so that's an amazing... Um, that's really lovely to hear. I yeah. love that. No, I saved it for the podcast. I didn't tell you for 20 years. <laughs> yeah. I'm such a whore. <laughs> but we... Anyway, we, we, I did... I do have a moment. I think it was actually Portugal where I was like, this guy... And that's when I did, you know, really click and go, I, I'm invested in him. I really love mm. him. He's great. Mm. But one story I have to tell is Japan and a bullet train in mm. 2002. Mm-hmm. And it's one of my favourite memories. And mm. it's one of my first memories of minding you because there was a few times mm. I was minding you mm. over the years. That's fine. And you, we. Had I used to drink a lot. Yeah. Well, it was also that combined with the eighteen-hour flight to get there or yeah. whatever. But you had a. I don't know where you got it from, but you had that plaid hat on with the fake red Irish hair. <laughs> yeah, I remember it. I felt full of it. And you and Ian and Pat Balf and I were on a bullet train because we we're going. Was it a Cameroon? The Cameroon game. Yeah, going I can't, to Cameroon, anyway. Ireland, Cameroon. So you just kept going with you know hydration on this bullet train yeah. <laughs> to where we were going, and yeah. then when we got Pints. there, they had to separate us because there was two tickets at one end of the stadium and two at the other mm. and basically I drew the, sh- the short straw and I'm Pat and Ian went off to one end and I had to go look after you mm. but I remember you were be- we were beside each other you got onto TV then as well yeah. didn't you well I got a phone call from Eamon Fitz in Ireland going Mario you're on Sky News they've, they've put the camera on I fell asleep in the, sta- in the stadium there's 80,000 people there you're the only one asleep get off the telly but I remember getting you a ginormous like Coca-Cola and like it was the yes. size of your body and yes. you drank that. And I was like, this is going to work. This will help him. But it didn't. Mm. You fell asleep. We were the only radio, Irish radio team in Japan for the World Cup. The it Indian was incredible. Show. So there was no other RTE radio or anything. No. You know, they had their TV commentators. Mm-hmm. But the TV commentary team, the pundits were all back home. They yeah. had a couple of commentators out in Japan. But we were the only radio team. Yeah. And I think Ian had this great idea or we heard that there was about eight or 9,000 fans, Irish fans, coming all the way from Ireland and they were going to go into the Ireland-Germany game in Ibaraki Stadium. Yeah. And we were there outside in a massive tent. And we'd heard the fans and we, we, we kind of got, the fans had got word that we were there. Yeah. 
And the Dempsey breakfast show used to go from seven in the morning till ten in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I remember about eight to ten thousand Irish fans all dressed in green finding us at, incredible. at the stadium, just outside the stadium at three minutes to ten just as the show was ending and just before they all went into the stadium and we got these what were milk crates basically yep. we got these milk crates we went outside the tent we stood up onto the milk crates and we put the microphones out and at three minutes to ten everybody sang Aaron Naveen it was live. incredible and it was the best moment I've ever had in broadcasting it was incredible because it was us alone across the world meeting up with our brothers singing the national anthem before we embark on this amazing journey yep. uh, at this amazing. World Cup and under the land of the rising sun. It was incredible. It was really, really brilliant. It was you know? moving. Yeah, very it was moving. amazing. Okay, now, l- over the last 24 years then, Alison, I suppose, so you are an Irish citizen. Mm-hmm. You love Ireland mm-hmm. and you're Canadian and you love Canada. Um, but do you know for you what it means to be Irish? I suppose it would be hard for me to answer that question. It, well, I don't know if it's hard for you. The I've always said this, but the because of what Canada is and the fact that it's a nation made up of a lot of people that have dual identities and nationalities. You, you kind of know what it means to be a Canadian, but it kind of is very surfacy and it's jokey and it's like donuts and AAA and hockey and stuff. No, it goes deeper than that. But I felt from the early on that I was like, God, you know, and going back to Japan, like Irish people congregated together. And Canadians would never do that. And, and we were in a bar once and you're like, there's a girl from Ottawa. I was like, I don't give a crap, Mario. I'm in Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> like, so Irish people seek each other out yes. when you travel abroad. But the sense of what Is it means... Is that a tribe then? I think so. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good thing. And mm-hmm. I think the thing that what it means to be Irish is something very specific. And then you get even deeper. And, and what it means to be a North Sider versus a South Sider yes. is very... What it means to be from Ring's End versus, you know, Dunleary. Yes. It's very connected to the ground to the people around them and I really love that about Ireland I think it's quite incredible and I love and you know people make fun of the fact that Irish people are kind of surface and I always said this when I first moved here I'd be like North Americans love talking about themselves as a general sweeping generalization yeah, yeah. and I'd say something like I go, how are Mario how are you yeah, great, great. how are you and I was like oh back to me already <laughs> okay <laughs> so, that was quick yeah I talk a bit and I go but anyway yeah but you know but not about me about you and I was like back to me yeah. again yeah like, yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. and so, it doesn't even have to be uh, that's very interesting that you point that out actually because yeah. it doesn't have to be you could stop an Irish per- I know this is a slight cliche but I'll do it for your joke anyway it's, it's like you stop an Irish person on the road and go Sorry, I'm looking for Ballin Turbot. And they go, how are you anyway? Uh, yeah. and you go, so, so in other words, they go straight for the, yeah. I want to know stuff about yeah. you rather than going, where's Ballin Turbot? So do you know who explained that to me? It was Paul Collins back in the early days. Yeah. I was like, God, people are so like, and you know, so it's a little bit like they want to find out. But also, you know, it's hard to break into Irishness sometimes. And it's like, even in my own neighborhood, I, I, we moved in 05, but mm. it wasn't until COVID and we were on the street playing bingo that they're like, she's one of us now. Right. Like, so it's very, like, I'm the foreigner still. But it's and so for for all that complexities, I guess I'm I'm giving you a long answer. I think I really love what it means to be Irish because I think people have a really strong sense of themselves. Mm. I think people in Ireland live for the here and now. That could be changing over the years, Mm -hmm. but they certainly do it better than North Americans. Do they? Like if you go, Mario, do you want to go for a pint? In North America, they'd be like, well, I've got like stretchy yoga on Tuesday till nine. And then I've got a book club on Wednesday. And then I've got this. And there's no like, yeah, I'll go right now. I'm living my moment right now. And I'm going to have fun right now. So I, you know, I I love that about Ireland when I first got here. It kind of was love at first sight when I first moved here. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, these people are great. Is it? Yeah. Uh, Well, one of the things I think if I was trying to step back from it myself, Myself, I really do love that di- that 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 sense of humor and to be honest with you, the playfulness and duplicitousness. Yeah, 
the fact that they're they're kind of lying to you and there's an awful lot of lying if three people are standing around having a pint it's just lies left right and centre you wouldn't know who's going on it's fantasy it's fiction Everybody's, it's, it's really mad whereas if you were having let's say I know I'm drawing generalisations but maybe to use the Canadian or it's just so literal over or there or a British sensibility yeah. there would be a lot more literal literalness it, going Canada on Canada is 100% so whenever I go back I, yeah. I, I feel like I'm kind of like gotta be right on and polite from so much of the time and I get onto an Aer Lingus flight on the way home and I'm like fuck 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 my fuck bombs come out because I, you do you do have this sense I think in Canada that you just have to be right and be good and be you know it's, it is much more of a like a following culture if that makes sense yes. and and I do feel that Ireland, Ireland's changed. I'm jumping around, but Ireland's changed so much. And I do think that the men of Ireland have changed quite a bit as well. So when I first moved here, I did feel that there was a really big separation between men and women. And the fact that I had male friends was unusual. And the fact that some of my best friends were men all throughout my life. And I moved over here with a pal that had lived with me in Toronto. And everyone said, well, you guys were obviously together at some stage. And it's like, no. But that's a really interesting observation. We are friends. But women had the same thing. I have yes. friends my age that have never had a male friend because they went straight through the school system, mm. which was something I knew I didn't want for my daughter. Yes. Um, and then went into a female-dominated industry, like childcare or beauty or something. And I was like, you've never had. Whereas most of my best friends in my life, a lot of them have been men because my industry. So when I started with you guys, like when I started at Today FM, it was very male-dominated. Yes. And it was a crazy time. It was a fun time. But there were definitely moments where I'm like, oh, man, I have to work really hard here. Definitely. Because of who I am. Definitely. Definitely oh, moments. Oh, yeah, so huge. But then, so, so that's one of the reasons that you're my friend, because you were able to be comfortable around a yeah. man Without, and not fancy them, and not not only not fancy them, but not 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 only not fancy them, not participate in that desperately stupid flirty dance where, like, even if you didn't fancy me, there would be this thing going on between men and women yeah. going, "Oh, you don't fancy me? Well, yeah. it must be your problem." So, uh, or whatever. In other words, it's on the agenda, like. Yeah. Whereas you know, it didn't have to be part of our agenda. No. We were just enjoying each yeah. other as humans. Yeah, exactly. So that was a big difference when I moved here, and that has mm. changed a lot. Like yeah. that's completely so changed. Men have changed a lot. I think so. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And I think, like you know, even if we look around where we work and and another station that's part of the network, and it's mostly young people, like they that the lifestyle has changed and the approach. Like we were kind of messy. Like we would go out and turn up the next day and go, "That's fine." Whereas now everyone's like, "I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to make sure my laundry is done for the week and all this kind of stuff and I'm like oh, what true. like and my I have cousins that are 25 and 27 and they are so lovely but so together one of them just finished building a house I wasn't doing that when I was 27 mm. so I think that that's changed in Ireland quite a bit as yeah, well yeah you mentioned house right mm. so I'm always thinking about your big huge mansion ranch over in Canada because you, <laughs> you own a kind of a ranch in, yeah. in Canada and uh, we always go sure she doesn't even need a job over here she's a billionaire no uh, but she lives she has but 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 how many acres do you have? We've sold a few. Go on. So we've sold just, a few. Uh, this will blow Irish people away. How many acres do you have? We have 230 now. Two, 230 yeah. acres, you see? Yeah. That would be a massive farm in Ireland. Yeah. I, had, I, I grew up on an 85 acre. Wow, that's good. 85 acre farm, 80 cows, 90 cows. Yeah. And, you know, my granddad was, was reasonably well off. Mm-hmm. You know, he would have been regarded as well off in the town, like good yeah. farmer, dairy farmer. Yeah. Now it's good land, of course, but you had three times the amount of land. Yeah. And, and not are a, raccoons. It's and, not good, a lot of it. It's just very foresty. Uh, yeah. Raccoons, yes. Prairie coy, dogs. Coy, coy wolves. 
So this is when wolves and coyotes make a family. And they are insane sounding. We hear them at night, like a little eerie, actually. Mm. Um, No bears, lots of things that live in the the lake that we go swimming in, which I'm fine with. You could go camping in your land, couldn't you? Oh, yeah. I like swimming in my lake, but my husband and my daughter are like, yeah. so there are water snakes, but I, I tell them it's like a little snail bobbling across the top. I'm like, I'll spot one. I'll go, snakes. don't worry about yeah, that. Yeah. They don't come near you anyway. Yeah. Beavers, <laughs> all sorts of animals. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. yeah. But no, I love it. That's where I mm. feel rooted. And like, I'm naturally an anxious person. I'm very open about that. But when we go back there, my husband is like, she is a different person. Like, my, I can feel just everything. The, the shoulders. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just relaxed. Yeah. It's it's it is a beautiful place. Like yeah. it is a stunning place. Like it has one of those wrap around porches, screen in porches that Norman Rockwell paintings. Like we look out no longer at the water as much. It's quite a growing over in the years, but a tree line that's beautiful. And last summer we were there and there was like the most incredible storm that we always had growing up. My daughter was a little bit like the the lightning and the thunder was the volume of that thunder. And she's not used to that. Mm. But my sister and I are like, yeah, like loving it. And it's beautiful. The mm. sounds, everything. Mm. And it's just there's no people on top of you. There's mm. space. I love and it. You're going back there next Tuesday, right? Mm-hmm. And how long are you going to spend there? Three weeks. Three weeks. Yeah. yeah. And so that's just about just about good enough it is mm. uh, my husband can't go with us this time which is unfortunate oh. but he's a landscape gardener so it's the best time not the best time to go so it'll be my daughter and I and then our family you don't practice this landscape gardening <laughs> on your 280 acres exactly but I wish I did I wish hey I... <laughs> you missed it bit come back in three weeks <laughs> I do wish I could get there more than once a year and stay there for longer but we have jobs that you know we have to be here definitely yeah can't do it remotely yeah um, and the reason I brought up the house, of course, is because um, of your parents. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had this very, you, 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 you lost your parents at a young age. Yeah. Um, 14 and 19. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You were, you were 14 and 19. Yeah. When you lost. So 14 when my dad died, 19 when my mom died. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was a very, 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 that impacted you hugely. hugely. Yeah. Massive. Well, it yeah. shaped my of life. Of course it did. If they were alive, I don't think I probably would have left, mm. to be honest. It, I mean... They were amazing people. They were incredible people and they were hugely kind and empathetic. And whenever we get together as a family, people just want to talk about them with with Karen and I, but they just want to talk about them. And I have so many cousins that, you know, you could tell that they just felt closer to them than maybe other members of their immediate family. Like mom and dad were impactful on everyone's lives. And like they both lived their life in an exemplary way. Like they really did. And they were just so kind. So I know that that's why my sister and I are amazing. And we are and amazing. They were great parents. They're incredible parents. And Which, I had the most... forgive me for pointing out the obvious, but makes the loss even greater. It um, does, but it also means like... At the time when mom died, I had an uncle that sat us down like the day of the funeral. And he's like, you know, but you guys are still very lucky. I need you to realize this. And I'm like, the last thing I feel right now on the funeral of my remaining parent is lucky. And I'm actually quite mad at him. But then years pass and I reflect and he goes, he was right. They set us up. They set us up beautifully. Like our life was incredible. And Karen's an accomplished woman. I'm an accomplished woman. I'm really proud of the parent that I am. And I'm the parent that I am because of who they were. And I'm. it sounds braggy. And in Ireland, we don't brag. But I think I'm a really good person. And I think that comes from, it does come from who they were and what they instilled in us from a young age. Mm. So, yes, I absolutely would rather have had them for a lot longer. I'd like to have them now. But they set us up pretty well Mm. to go on and succeed in our own lives and our chosen paths, for sure. Yeah, well, I mean... 
I, I can vouch for your good person um, status, you know, um, especially since you're Irish now. But uh, no, it's your, your moral, your moral. Um, it's compass. pretty high moral it's compass. It's very high moral compass. <laughs> it's a bit sometimes. A bit a naggy sometimes. Bit, I kind of like for a, a little bit of a pass, a day pass on some of it. And you, that's why I like you, you see, because you give it to me. You kind of go, look, I'll overlook that last one. But listen, for the sake of the Alison PR machine, don't let it happen again. I've got high moral standards, Mario. I don't know why I gave you an, a, a New York, York Jew, a New York Jewish lady's accent. So yeah, so that's that was it. And I actually, think it was yeah. because if they were alive, I probably wouldn't have moved. I probably would have had a different life. Yeah, and your dad, especially, was mm. was uh, unlike your normal, let's say, Irish dad. He yeah, he was incredible. So it, like, and you know how some I feel like some men are designed for daughters, if that makes sense, yes. and some men are designed for sons. Like yes. he was a, a daughter like he had daughters and he was designed that was going to be his path in life and you know we wanted trucks we wanted we wore overalls we wanted to build like I, I still have a ship that he and I made a wooden ship at my cottage so he you know I want to learn how to sand a door frame or like all that stuff and he encouraged all of that and he did allow us all of that as well and he was just very Kind and like when, how do you want something really personal? When I got my period, he was like, "Now, Allison, let's sit down and have a conversation." I was like, "Oh no, not with this man!" And where's like, a friend of me, a friend of mine? I told her that story, and she's like, "I dropped a bra on the stairway once. My dad fainted having to bring it into my bedroom." Like so, he was just very like, "Let's talk about what's happening to your body, sweetie." Like he was very open about it's that. Incredible. Kind of a prude in other ways, the same way I'm kind of a prude yeah. in some ways, but open about that. And so my mom was as well. She was like, now, girls, let's talk about sex. And Karen and I are like, do we have to? But like, just very open about it. <laughs> oh, that is great. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Canada was like, that's where there was a big difference. Like, we certainly talked about feelings and mental health and all that stuff earlier in life mm. and openness about different kinds of relationships and families and things like that. So when I was younger, my best friend's parents were two moms. So that's that. all of that set me up with being a bit very open-minded when I came into mm. environments that might not have been. Mm. But yeah, no, they were incredible. Okay. And in the 24 years you've been here, um, I mean, have you detected a change in our, let's say, our capital city? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. And you, you can see that maybe, can you? Yes. T- well, when I moved clearer? to where we lived, it was not an area where people were moving to. And it was affordable housing. And we were like, this is a starter home. And we all know how that worked out for everybody. <laughs> thought they were just going to buy a starter home. Mm-hmm. It's changed a lot since I've been there. But I was nervous. And I remember I was like, I, we bought this house. I was still on the breakfast show. And I, my alarm set off to go off on Today FM. And then I went to press it off and the music wouldn't stop. And I was like, that's really weird. Why isn't it stopping? Realized that a car that had just been ditched outside of my house from a joyrider was also playing whatever by Oasis or whatever Oasis track it was. <laughs> they were also listening to Today FM. And they left it blaring. I was like, where have I moved? Best now, criminal in the world ever. <laughs> Great taste in music, pal. Best car, Robert. So it has changed a lot. But I think also my first few years here, whenever I was with a gang of people, they'd be like, don't get the Nightlink home that's dangerous I'm like alright okay don't get a taxi home that's dangerous too. don't be walking don't take a bus and I was like how the hell am I getting home so they instilled in me about Dublin a kind of a fear from early on that stayed with me a little bit like a bit of edge because I used to walk home Mm. completely trolleyed in Toronto of six million people at 3 a.m. down alleyways as a Mm. shortcut at home. Mm. And now that's not advisable either. Mm. So there has been an edge to the city that is, I think a lot of people are seeing more of. And that's obviously, it's socioeconomical factors. Yeah, it is. So yeah. And drugs, yeah. Drugs and people just randomly, oh, this this thing I'm fascinated by is people randomly punching each other on the way past each other. Because, you know, you always associate 
you often associate violence with cause, causality. Yeah. And causality can mean um, you were uh, stupid. Yeah. You went in the wrong place at the wrong time, said something to the wrong yeah. person. You know, but Affected this is literally it. ramble. This is literally random. You're walking down the street and a guy can come down on a bike and knock your head off for no reason. Yeah. I mean, it, there's a lot of factors about Dublin that, you know, we would like to see improve. Like it does. I think my mood is massively affected when I walk through and I just see the like the amount of people experiencing homelessness. It's hard to walk through that and go, I'm having a great day. This city is beautiful today. So that's hard. That is. Outside of Dublin is, uh, there's other factors there happening in other communities around the country as well. But I do, I love getting out of Dublin. I do. I love that sensation of being in the wide open spaces, going for a walk, going to a small local pub mm. in Wicklow, Wex, wherever it is. And I find my happy places are, a lot of them are outside of, of the city, of the yeah. capital. Um, one of the things you've done over the last uh, four, three or four years, maybe it's even longer now, is you, you started a column um, yeah. in a newspaper. And you were became you shared you've been sharing quite lo- quite personal stuff about your life and using you yeah. know material that you feel you can share. And uh, one of the things that's 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 interesting, of course, is is Joan, your daughter, mm. and um, like she's she's growing up now, you know. Yeah. And you know, interesting things, for example, around the social media. Yeah. Area and around her. Tell me about that, that, that kind of... St- so she turned 12 on the 4th of May and 12 is a big deal. A lot of different things have happened this year for her for first and things like that that are like big deals. And she did want to join something. And I was like, Ugh, all right. So... Mm. Snapchat. I have to be honest, one day I was lying down, I had a migraine. I was like, do whatever the hell you want, just yeah. get out of my face. <laughs> God damn it. So she joined Snapchat and there was like this buzz at the beginning, I have to say about it. And like a bunch of them in the class joined it at the same time. So there yeah. was like this and like the screams and the laughter and just for them, it was the thrill of being able to communicate and be in contact outside of class hours. Yes. That's what it was. Yes. And then naturally kind of died down a bit. But it would be something I would watch a lot of because she's looking back on herself in the camera a lot. And that is not good for anybody and particularly developing brains. So that would be the thing I'd be watching. And I have noticed that she's more, much more critical of her appearance since joining Snapchat. Oh, Not yeah. Red flags aren't there yet, but that would be something I'd be aware of. But overall, I think she's managing it well. And, and, and digital literacy is something kids need, right? Like Dash is that much older than Joan. You need to learn to send a text that doesn't, have, doesn't sound shitty or mean mm. or or isn't enough or isn't polite enough like they, that, all that stuff they need to learn because yeah, they're going to have an and, online life and it has life. its own set of skills completely yeah. and they're going to have an online life for the rest of their life that's life now that's just all of us do mm-hmm. so it was inevitable and this is she's going through this very very important stage of her life now and then you're, you're seeing this through with her yeah and like as long as we my big thing as long as we can keep talking and have the conversation I did ask that I could read it because Snapchat lets the messages disappear after 24 hours for the first few weeks and it got really boring so I don't have to read it anymore. <laughs> she did a really good job of writing those really boring ones for you and keeping her burner her burner phone under her pillow. Hey, Mitch, her she's what? gone. The old battle axe is gone. She gave me our moral compass bullshit again. Fuck off, back to Canada. Oh, so yeah, so it got boring. <laughs> yeah. um, one of the things we share in common, um, really share in common, is Tony Fenton. Yes. And um, I've, I've, I've probably shared a good few stories of, of Tony over the years, but... You know, um, he he gets a great for a dead guy. He gets great press, yeah, uh, <laughs> and because uh, it goes on and on and yeah. on, um, really, you know. And uh, his memory is very very strong in all our mm. in all our heads, yeah. Um, because uh, he he had a lust for life and he liked the good things in life. And I don't mean that I don't mean that in an RTE uh, barter account way. No, I mean I mean like the no things like God, fresh, no. fresh air, being he, with friends, he appreciate things, eating good food, yeah, sharing a moment with yeah. friends. 
Yeah. Watching the sun go down, watching well, the sun come up. Well, when I produced him one of the last times we in the studio downstairs, we had a window into the outside world at one stage in studios. Mm. And I remember I was finishing up, tying up the paper, whatever. And I looked and I was like looking at the back of his head, looking at the window. And it was a really clear memory in my mind. I was like, what is he looking at? And he just turned around and goes, that's a beautiful sun out there. Like you were just saying. Yeah. And then I was like, so that just pressed pause. And I was like, I'm going to come around and look out that window with Tony. And we yeah. just stood there looking at the window. Yeah. And he found the beauty in it. But I don't remember, I don't know if you were the same, but I just remember there was a time, probably after the, maybe the second Christmas party that we organized with the breakfast show and himself and Pamela, that I was like, and Ed was actually, Ed Smith was like, are you guys hanging out? I was like, yeah. And I was like, I just had this moment. I was like, I think I'm friends with Tony Fenton. I don't really know how that happened because he orchestrated things so seamlessly. Like he he would spot in people going, I like that person. You did. And just, he'd bring you into the fold and he would map out, like, again, he would orchestrate an evening. Yeah. He would go, these people will have fun together. That's right. And he was very... He thought a lot about people. He thought a lot about people uh, and he thought and a lot about making and, them happy. Yeah. And he actually, that's an interesting point. He, he used to identify people. I remember when he identified yeah. me almost subconsciously now he, he identified yeah. I, I think he, I'm going to bring him into the fold him, he kept kind of saying things to me about sort of, and if, before I knew it I was kind of in his company and, yeah. and you were regularly friends with him, yeah. I was like I actually have friends now yeah yeah he was, was amazing but it was such a nice experience but you, you know? probably had the same thing that I I had an aunt that was like a maternal figure that passed away sh- around the time that Tony did and I struggled with that too but I had this weird guilt where I was like oh, I feel worse about Tony for some reason in a weird way and it really didn't sit with me and I was like I shouldn't like you know and I still love her and I think about her all the time but it was a friend said to me it was because it's the first person you've chosen to have in your life you weren't born into that person being in your life that has passed away thankfully it's the only person but it's a huge hole in our lives and it hurt that much because we chose to be part of each other's lives and it's the same for you mm. yeah yeah, yeah. Boy, boy, he was boy, incredible boy. yeah 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 yeah, he was. Um, but but he had he had this thing as well where he go into a, you know, this thing of he, he see when he liked people he says he'd say I like their flavor, you know. <laughs> but um, he he had a way, a way of of getting what he wanted as well and asking for things. He you was know. smooth. He smooth, yeah, and it was charm. Yeah, so charming. Like we'd go into a restaurant yeah. and we'd look at the menu, and um, and <laughs> you, you, you know he'd go he just let's say the lady or the guy would come down. And go, so are you ready? Nice restaurant now, right? Only with Tony, of course. Yeah. And he said, so are you guys ready to order? And he, Tony would slowly put down the thing. He'd say, hi, how are you? What's your name? <laughs> and she'd go, let's say, Joanna or Joe or whatever. And he'd go, Joanna, can I ask you a question? Could I order off menu? <laughs> and after hearing that sultry voice, basically, it's like a film trailer. <laughs> Man orders in restaurant. The greatest new film by Steven Spielberg. Beast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, She'd go, or he'd go, yes. Anything you want. No problem. And he'd probably, and he wouldn't go, I want foie gras and no. naked duck eggs. No. He'd go, do you know what I'd love? Just some prawns <laughs> drizzled in olive oil <laughs> and a bottle of that. Yeah. <laughs> she'd go, I but think do you we know could speaking- do that. Any restaurant that can't do that is not a restaurant. But speaking of bottles as well, he had this trick where, and so he and I spotted this in each other early on, and it was a control thing. And neither of us liked to get really, really hammered because no. we, like, we'd like to get a bit buzzed. Mm. But if we got hammered, we were out of control. And mm. it was a fear thing. And he and I openly talked about that. And he would do, at the Christmas party, he'd like pour around, this is lunch things mm. that we would have, and he'd skip himself. And I'd look yeah. up and he'd look at me in the eye and I'd go, you, like, it, it, we'd be speaking through our yeah. telepathy. I was like, you missed yourself. And he'd be like, I know. 
And I keep going. And he got really tipsy one time in Spain with a friend of ours, Maria. And Maria's like, Tony said, just keep calling you. I don't know what that was. And I got these voice notes going. I could hear him in the background going, tell her I am actually. I did actually get pissed. That's all I could hear. <laughs> remembered it, yeah. yeah. And he used to drink water as well. Well, I is, always, which, that's a good thing. No, but which is a court-martialing <laughs> offence in Ireland. You can be taking that yeah, shot I remember that. that. Yeah, I remember Suddenly that. three guys in balaclavas <laughs> arriving up. We hear you've been drinking, drinking water. water. <laughs> Sorry, I spat all over the mic. Jesus Christ. <sighs> okay, well, you're a twin, of course. Mm-hmm. So tell us about that experience. It's the only thing I know because <laughs> I don't have any other siblings. <laughs> um, but do you ring each other at the same times from different parts of the world? And oh, go, no, like, oh my God, I can't believe I just rang you. <laughs> We're pathetic. We're like, I see you haven't called me in 45 minutes. She's dead, obviously. So we just have to stay on top of it. Oh, do you, do, are you constantly in touch? Oh, oh my oh, so God. this is your kind of... Twice already today. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know No, that. no, no, like in a so good way. Like, oh, no, but I know... Like we give like, each other bathroom break updates, like all sorts of it's, stuff. It's your... It's your <laughs> <laughs> but it's your link. You're linked. It's just, is this oh, part of your linkage? Intrinsically, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what's so beautiful? And is it part of being a twin? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think it's part of that and I think it's part of the fact that we did lose our parents so young so it was just the two of us. Like mm. when mom and dad You're still here, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Basically, you haven't gone. So but like financially we became like husband and wife like at 19 and then like, you know, all that like we're really you know, we're each other's support system, all that kind of stuff. But what's really nice as a result of that is Joan and her are so close and it's really cute. And except for I think sometimes Joan's like, I prefer this one. <laughs> she's Aww, really funny. Auntie. She's just like Karen's a remarkable person. Like she's really kind. She's funny. She's one of those people that people meet and they go, I've never met anyone like her before. Like she's really unusual in the best possible way. Like she's just never seems to get upset, never seems to be stressed, like always very level-headed, like all the things I'm not, actually. How often does she come over here? Uh, she came twice this year, twice. Yeah. Yeah, and we then I go, go once. Hmm? We should go out. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'd be amazed that we're twins. I think you'd be like, oh, yeah. man. <laughs> like everything's very slow. Like she slows things down. And she has a little bit of the Tonys about her, too, in the sense that she, you know, appreciates things like and, and you know, takes time out to appreciate things mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she's hilarious. Like really funny, but one of those Bring people that, with Leah, so that's just three girls. Oh, they know each other. They get along completely well. Completely feminized me. <laughs> but you know people who Inject aren't that estrogen. <laughs> you know the people that don't mean to be funny but are naturally funny. Yes. Yeah. That that's her. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, the other thing about you is your sense of humor as well, because we have a crossover on sense of humor. So oh, definitely, term, yeah. yeah but you know, I felt sorry like. for you in the early years when you were writing Gift Grub. I contributed. Actually, I don't think I ever contributed oh. an idea. Well, not once. No, but you contributed loads of voices. Well, you, Britney Spears. Just American voices. Fairy Tale and Goldilocks and <laughs> oh, yeah. Bertie and the Three Bears. I forgot about that. Bertie and the Three Little Pigs. <laughs> but I couldn't help you. And I always did feel that way where I was like, I can't contribute to Gift at all because I didn't know who these people were yes, culturally that yes, you had turned yes, into characters. Yes, yes. Um, but, and then I remember, I remember a couple of times, actually, I remember one thing that was really funny. It was one of the times Tom Dunn was filling in yes. and himself and Paul Collins was on sport. They got into the fit of the giggles and it just, it was a natural thing on air. And we got this huge reaction and went, and it was right after you spent 32 hours writing a sketch and it didn't get as many texts and you got so mad. Yeah. And you said to me, you're like, what's that about? What's that about? I was like, well, it's just, it's because it's natural. We all understand that, like losing it in a church or a classroom or something. The dark side of the clown didn't <laughs> I, get enough laughs gets think, angry lashes <laughs> out takes it out against women no but I think about you that it was you as a person that made me laugh way more yeah. in the early oh, years in the sketches and I think that you know yeah. you, you got I, an understanding of but that that's what I, I do make you laugh and I, I certainly yes. sometimes I make you laugh and I go that wasn't actually meant to be funny <laughs> sorry she's mistiming me completely her comic timing is totally out and she goes ah! 
<laughs> Sorry, I just said I'm going to the toilet. Oh, anyway. But you are hilarious. So that is, you know, that goes without saying. Like, you built a career but on I do it. Say a sustained things, I do say things which are funny that do make you laugh as well. It's oh, not yeah. always inadvertent. No. It's not like I'm. <laughs> you know what sap. you're doing. You know what you're doing. Yeah, who just you laugh at. You do laugh with me occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's true. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's I'm a, I've got a, I've got a truth thing. I I, t- I say a lot of blunt things. I think sometimes. so. Yeah, yeah. I think which, so. Which I think it's funny anyway. Yeah. Because because it's uh, kind of your it's more your worldview sometimes that gets me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, am I wrong in thinking this way? I'm like, maybe a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I do that all the time. But it's and funny. Yeah, it's a bit far out there sometimes. <laughs> um, some people catch up to it. They go. Uh, Remember that thing he said six months ago? I'm kind of coming around to that myself. But But you uh, know what? I love, love, love. And we're getting back to us again. But But it is about us. I love... I mean, I don't want to ask you what your opinion is on Irish (laughs) horse racing scandals. I wouldn't have any thoughts on that. Um, I, I love that... I get so much out of speaking with you. Like, it's like, you know that you're so uh, paying so much attention to, again, what everybody is saying to you and talking to you, but that you're you're measured and what, and this maybe comes over the years so when I've been... Can you repeat that? Oh, I've been really upset. <laughs> well, I'm joking. And I call you and, I'll, and you, you bring me right back down to ground and yeah, you're supportive that way. Yeah. Right on the phone, yeah. But then it's not just about, say, anything that's happened at work or whatever. It's just in general, it's like life things, news things, and your take on it and your thought process on things. I well, really love. I think well it's 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 about mixtures of people so i tap into your anxiety yeah. and basically i go tell it to shut up it'll be fine and you go shut up how does that work and i go alison it's just like this and actually then i'm 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 quite anxious myself but then i feel dude <laughs> She's way more anxious than you. You sound in control. So it's actually me liking my new role of being the one in control. Whereas I normally go home to Blonde and go, more problems. Sort this one out. Oh, and she's there. Take it easy. Take the value. Well, she is very. She's the ultimate. She is well, very. See, she believes my bl- wife Blonde. She is a fantastically calming presence. She is. She really is. Yeah. yeah. She, in fact, very she's pro- almost professionally like this. Yeah, what? Well, she, she should be. She's big into stoicism. Yeah. And the stoics. Yeah. And just having a belief in the control in the situation. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah it's, it's, yeah. it's 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 amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And it's I'm, I'm more sort of like, you know, those, um, do you but, know those cardiographs when somebody's having a heart attack? <laughs> Yes. Uh, that's me. I know. When someone's dead, that's her. Brenda's <laughs> daddy. Blonde is the flatline. That's what Joe or so Karen it's flatline is. versus cardiographic hell. And uh, we, 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 we do well But together. at the same time, and this is to do with our industry too, I am a feeler. Like if I, and I'm, and so I had Cecilia Hearn on not that long ago and she talked about being an empath. And I was like, what does she mean exactly by that? Whereas like you take and you absorb the emotions of people and stories and things that you might not even be involved in. You're like, I feel so badly for that person. I read that story about them. That feels so sad for them. You put yourself in their shoes. But I'm a feeler. So if I hear music, I, I'll get goosebumps or my heart will pump or like, and I can go from zero to 10 really, really quickly. And my sister isn't like that. And there have been times where like we listen to music together and I'm just like, oh my God, oh my God. And she's just like, yeah, that's all right. And moves on to something. But I think that that comes with what we do mm. in our life. I like, agree. I'm a feeler. And I have to have that energy to do what I do every weekend and you do every weekday, every nighttime yeah. on tour. So you have to be that way. Yeah, I'm a feeler. I mean, really bad newspaper columnists ring you and they go, when's the last time you cried? <laughs> and you go, never. Yeah. Uh, because the answer is never. Until yeah. you put down the phone and you go, actually, it was last week. Yeah. And the reason it was last week was not because I remembered my grandmother when she died. Yeah. That didn't make me cry. 
Um, it was listening to Let It Be, for example. Yeah. By listening to the opening chords of Let It Be, Paul McCartney, and thinking about the Beatles as they broke up. Yeah. And maybe having two glasses of wine. But the fact of just the beauty of the music. Yeah. So beauty makes me cry. Yeah. Yes. Um, or... You know, that kind of stuff where... Or, Something or, 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 really good and really happy. Yeah, like, I follow good news stories yeah. all the time. They'll make me cry. Or, or somebody being somebody being brilliant. Mm. Somebody being brilliant. Yeah. like that I cried watching Louis Capaldi at Glastonbury because I felt you, yeah. so yeah. sorry for him. Yeah. Like, not the kind of cry that tears actually came out, but you know that little sting in your nose? Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to stay crying. Yeah. This guy is incredible. Yeah. You know the crying where you're not crying, but there are waters, your eyes are watery. Yeah. So you're emotional. Yes. You're not like... Crying. Yes. It's so, been a long time since I bawled. Yeah. So what but I, I do have the cry. When I see somebody just being absolutely, completely brilliant and in control of what they're doing and mastering what they yeah. do and that it's the fruition of everything they've ever done coming yeah. to a, a thing and you just kind of, you kind of well up going. Did you watch the very last episode of Ted Lasso? Ted, no, I did not. No. There's Hannah, I always say her second name wrong, Wadding, Hannah, uh, Rebecca, it cries at the saying goodbye but it was like saying goodbye to the character yep. saying goodbye to the show oh, really? but the way her tears you know the way they actually filled your eye yeah. filled her eye I was like oh she's so brilliant at this like she's an incredible actress I started crying at how brilliant she is at crying <laughs> <laughs> well crying is kind of infectious yes it's like sneezing like yawning sneezing and all that yeah you know when somebody sneezes you go I feel like sneezing now. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know yeah. like yawning I do or sneeze crying oh yeah that, that's the that, worst that's another one you can do yeah 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 <laughs> Um, uh, that's that's yeah that's that's good but uh, no you 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 are you are you you are a feeler yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and so am I and just to clarify that that's a feeler emotionally not physically nothing to do with that story <laughs> in the newspaper <laughs> which has absolutely no grain of truth whatsoever concentrate on the real story the RTE payment scandal not Mario feeler scandal <laughs> did that come out <laughs> shut up. <laughs> You're going back to Canada. <laughs> Sending you back. Can you be deported from Ireland? <laughs> Probably. No. So do you think, um, so this is a real Irish question, but I, so, um, don't take it the way it is. So do you think you'll go back then when you're like finished here? Hmm, I'm just be, wondering what you said about Canada. Wouldn't it be great? So I'm just thinking when you said about Canada that yeah. your shoulders drop and you relax when you're I there. Does that love... mean that you see it as a kind of a place where you come full circle in your life? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. But like many years from now, mm. I would I would love to be able to, as I say, spend more time there. But then mm. I, I don't want to part with anything to do with my current life because I love I do genuinely love it. I love my job. You love your job. Mm. And some people listening might not love their job. And that's for me would be one of the worst things to have yeah. to experience. And loving your job is part of love and life. Yeah. You lo- love to love loving your job is pouring your love into something yeah and I really love it and maybe to my detriment I made it become too big of a part of my identity mm. maybe it's too big in my mind mm. but I love it mm. and I love my social life here I love my friends mm. here so I can't see yeah and also your radio show is very distinct as well I mean there aren't many I can't think of another radio show like it really at the moment mm-hmm. um, because you have you, you have an unashamedly special sort of empathy Feeling for um, youngish families. Yeah. Um, um, mom and dad. Yes, yeah. And mom and dad with a couple of kids yeah. who are, uh, 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 you know, getting out and about. I love it. Yeah, I really do love mm. it. 
I, mean, I guess I started it when I started at Joan was so little. And I was like, there isn't really anything like that necessarily. And certainly not on, say, weekends. It's very musicy or very talky. So we created it and it's, it's ex- exceeded my expectations what it would do. It really has yeah. by thousands. <laughs> By a lot of people. It has. And I love it. Massive figures at the weekend. And 10 years, is it? Or is it I mean, 10 years. 10 years. Just yeah, like this yeah. year in March, we celebrated the 10th yeah, birthday. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I love it. I really do. But it's like, it's. I like people. I like talking to people like you. Yeah. And I like those connections. And like, I love when I get, you know, from a, a family in Limerick, they're like, you said hi to Sam when he was two. He's now 10 or ah, seven. Yeah. You know, they've stayed with you. you. That, Ian yeah. has that too, that relationship yeah. with his listeners. And like Irish people have a relationship with presenters in art, like here, that I can't speak for all territories in the world, no. but Canada doesn't have that with their presenters and their people. No. England doesn't. It's a really unique relationship. That's why people come here to this country. They don't quite sometimes understand the meaning of the word personality that we have in our broadcasters. Yeah. That, that some of our broadcasters, I mean, you forget about this whole thing about stars now for a second, yeah. right? Personalities though. Yeah. That they become attached to the personalities they yeah. know. And we are real people. And you just, like, I am I am myself on air, but I learned that again from Ian. And I love that people have let me into their lives. And I don't take it lightly. I don't take it for granted. And I'm not just going to turn up and sail through it. I'm going to put a really good show together yeah, every yeah. single time. Because these people are choosing to stay with me and listen in. Yeah. Um, speaking of being average Joe, though... Very funny moment happened last weekend on air. Mm. <laughs> I was talking to Jenny McCarthy who has a book out. I can say this now. And she's done a lot of celebrity weddings. Mm. And we were chatting. And This is Martin King's wife. Yeah, yeah. we were chatting because she has a new book out. Plug it for her at the wedding. Mm. Um, and she's like, you know, Alison, I was like, so just to be honest, who's your favorite celebrity wedding that you've done? Like, there has to be someone that, you, you know, the crack factor. Who was the best? And she's like, I've done a lot. But then I've done a lot of, you know, average Joe weddings too, like you and me, you and me, Alison. I'm like... And I just, there's a clip, clips me on camera looking at my producer going, like that, <laughs> like a face, I know this is a podcast, but I was like, I average Joe, but I am actually an average Joe. So she was right. <laughs> it's oh, a really yeah. funny moment. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm fair play to Jenny as well. Jenny and Martin are, are a cool couple as well. Yes. And madly in love with each other. Yeah. And yeah. I love that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Ho, ho, she is. She's a lovely girl <laughs> and a lovely woman. Um, well, Alison, we've come to the end of our little journey today and we both managed to hold our tempers. Yeah, I'm, I've never been mad at you. I'm not going to get mad no, at you. No, but we're both ratty at the moment. I, I am very ratty. the end of about a year. So this is a break, though. This is a nice reprieve for me. This has been great. I love it. Thank you so much. I've only hounded you for two years to be on your podcast. <laughs> ah, no, 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 no. It was only a matter of time, Alison. Only a matter of time. Um, so... Have a brilliant time back in you your too. Uh, back in Canada. You have your a nice second holiday. home. Yes. Because this is your first home. This is my first, definitely. And we're very proud of you here. Aw, thank you. Have a nice holiday. Okay, thanks. And my thanks to my good friend Alison Curtis for finally making it onto my podcast. Um, that's it for me for this week. You can catch me on email, MarioRosenstock at gmail.com. I'm on uh, Twitter as well at giftgrubmario. Uh, Facebook and Instagram as well. And of course, you can catch me every weekday morning on the Ian Dempsey Breakfast Show on Today FM, performing and writing Gift Grub. Okay, thanks and see you same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.